the assistant manager. Quite the mercurial beast at Swindon Town Football Club. Think John Trollope, Chick Bates, John Gorman, Andy Rowland, Andy King, Budgie Byrne, Luke Williams, Noel Hunt. All generally regarded with a certain level of affection and occasionally driven and then cruelly exposed by the rigours of the top job as iconic managers have departed to further their burgeoning careers. Well, tonight's special guest is hugely well regarded for his efforts at Swindon Town Football Club, where he played a key role leading the support staff of none other than arch taskmaster himself, Paolo Di Canio. Well, overseeing the team in the sudden heartbreaking departure of Di Canio, our guest managerial record reads, played one, won one. And he departed the county ground with not only a fond farewell, but with a thumping victory that left Swindon Town well-placed to make a charge for automatic promotion. Many, like me and Tyler, wanted him to hang around and lead that charge, but a far bigger stage awaited. Realistically, who could have blamed him? So, how was it for our special guest during a raucous and hugely successful near two-year spell darting between Liddington and the county ground manager's office. Well, you're about to find out, esteemed listeners. I give you Fabrizio Picaretta. Fabrizio, buonasera. Ciao. How are you? <laughs> buonasera. Buonasera. Uh, thank you for the invite. I'm, I'm very well. I'm very happy to to join the, the show. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to... to answer the, the questions from the fans and first of all I, I, I would like to apologize for my uh, bit rusty English because you know I, I'm, if you don't speak the language every day it's then become a bit difficult to to to, to talk uh, fluently but I, I'm sure that by the time we'll, uh, we'll go by I will, I will be better so uh, thank you again you're very welcome. Fabrizio, your English is better than my Italian. And in fact, your no. English, as most Swindon Town fans will tell you, is better than my English. So, <laughs> so don't worry too much. Fabrizio, I'll introduce you to my co-host, who's thrilled to be speaking to you tonight. Tyler, meet Fabrizio. Fabrizio, meet Tyler. Nice to I, meet you, mate. Nice to meet you, Tyler. How are you doing? Oh, I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Outstanding. Well, Fabrizio, you're probably also likely to have another uh, hello tonight. My son is itching to come and say hello to you, given that last time he saw you, he was four years old and a terrified mascot standing alongside you and Paolo in the manager's office. <laughs> yeah, you told me. I remember, you know, it was the, the, our very first uh, game, you know, the, 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 first, the first game of the season. So it was a, a, a big, a great victory against the uh, against Crew Alexander, if I'm not wrong. But then uh, uh, we had uh, a spell of four games, four defeats. Then everything looked like, you know, it was uh, really bad. But then uh, we managed to to get better. And then uh, the rest is history. But... Yeah, Fabrizio, don't worry about the defeats. That was just purely getting, that was just literally getting up through the gears, mate. We've We've long forgotten all of that. In an yes. absolute, a shower of a shower of glory. So don't worry about mm. any of that. So Fabrizio, what we'll do? We've um, so we we uh, so we so quaintly put it in in England. We put the feelers out for questions um, as mm. soon as you accepted our invite to come on. Um, and whilst there's only been a couple of days since we've done that, we've had an absolute sea of questions come in for you. 
um, which we're going to, uh, what we'll do, Tyler and I will alternate through the questions. Um, yes. And we have ordered them in such a way that I think they'll naturally lead us through some interesting conversation with you. Obviously, you're not you're not obliged to answer anything for Brizio, and I know you won't answer anything if it goes near areas you can't talk about. But um, I, I think we're we're on pretty safe ground this evening, so I hope you're looking forward to it. Yeah, no problem. You know, the the, the only things I, uh, the only thing I, I can I can't answer uh, really is something that can can go. To private, you know, in uh, in our in our time for our time at Swindon, because some, something can can uh, belong to to our private moments. So, but for the rest, no problems. I'm more than happy to to answer all the curios- curiosities and all the answers that uh, all the Swindon Town fans have, because you know uh, it's been almost three years, almost three. So and then uh, there is a lot of things that we can uh, we can talk about we can discuss no problem no worries at all for Bricio. Well, I think as I say I think we're on we're on safe but yet inquisitive ground for you so I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll look after it I mean I'll I'll get things rolling for Bricio. so where's yes. work and, where is work and indeed home for you now are you still at Spal are you um uh, are you li- are you living around Bologna no I'm uh, in my I'm act, uh, actually at the moment I'm in, in my hometown in Genoa. Uh, I've been uh, I've been uh, at Spal until uh, last uh, February. Then, uh, unfortunately for me, uh, <laughs> things sometimes don't go uh, as expected. And uh, I, I I parted company with Spal in February after a few months in charge. But uh, you know this is something that every coach uh, has to experience at some point. So at the moment I'm uh, I'm not working. I'm uh, home. And uh, relaxing, waiting for the next uh, the next challenge, the next season. So uh, that's it. Right. Okay. So well, interesting that you say you're back in your hometown of Geneva. So what to, from from a if you if you speak speaking from a sort of a, a local perspective when you were growing mm. up, what were your earliest football memories? That's the first question that we had for Brizio. Mm. What was your earliest football memories that you can recall? How did you fall in love with the game? Ah. Uh, that that was thanks to my father because you know when I, when I was a, a little kid uh, he he took me to 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 the, the his, his his favorite club Sampdoria uh, which is one of the two big clubs in in Genova and he was a, a huge Sampdoria fan so he decided to to take me uh, to the academy there I was seven so it was a long time ago because. I'm 57 now, so 50 years ago, uh, and that was my first uh, taste of football. But then I had uh, uh, a long, a long, and unsuccessful career as a footballer, unfortunately for me. Uh, but I can say that the, my, my whole life uh, revolved around football. Uh, basically, everything I did in my in my in my life. Even when I was doing a different job, because I, I I've never been a, a professional coach, so I I I had all all also other uh, jobs in my life, but still football has been always uh, the main part of my life uh, until uh, it became uh, a professional uh, activity for me. Understood. Ty, do you want to take the next one? Sure thing, mate. Um, so, Fabrizio, is it true you own a bookshop and do you do mail orders? 
<laughs> of course, it's true. And uh, I I own a bookshop uh, bookstore um, from uh, uh, 1995 until uh, 2006. So basically, it was 11 years, and. Um, it was my main job uh, before I, I be, before becoming a, a professional coach. Uh, I it was a, a huge part of my life. This is something that I still uh, remember with uh, great passion because uh, uh, reading has been always one of my great passions. Uh, at some point of my life, it became uh, uh, my job. My uh, my main my main activity my main uh, my main passion so when when you i would say that when uh, when your passion become your job uh, it's always uh, fantastic you know like now in football coaching is uh, another big passion of mine so uh, now I, i'm a professional coach so uh, i would say that the two main passions of my life have become at some point my job which is something that uh, uh, make me proud for what I did in my life. So yes, but uh, books are still my uh, my passion. Re- recommend a good book for all of our listeners, Fabrizio. What would be a great book? <laughs> I I don't know. It depends on what what everyone likes the most. But uh, I don't know. At the moment, I'm reading. Nice, uh, a nice book from uh, a Spanish author, uh, Manuel Vasquez Montalban. Uh, good uh, crime story, but there's there's a lot of books, uh, even football books. Uh, I would like to to recommend a, a book from an English an English uh, author. It's uh, called Tim Parks, uh, with an English guy that now is. Uh, lives in Italy and he, he wrote many years ago an, an interesting book about uh, the life of football fans Italian fans but I think that most of the things that you can read on, on that book can be applied to every every fan in the world so uh, it's very, very interested, interesting because it's the, the life of a football a proper football fan all the struggles all the, uh, all the whole passion uh, the travels, the uh, everything, happy, sad. So this is an I don't know the 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 original English title of the book, but Tim Parks is the is the name of the of the author. Is, is the name of the author right? Well, right. I've got a task here, Fabrizio. Before the night's out, you're going to have to tweet with the hashtag STFC. Yes, we want yes. to see that cover. And okay. uh, yeah, f- for sure, we will follow up with you. Um, that now did you? I was. There's there's no chance that you were selling Paolo's autobiography in your bookshop. I'm guessing, Fabrizio. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, all right, I'll take the next one, Fabrizio. So this is from uh, Arch via Twitter. Um, wh- uh, let's have a look. So, how far did your relationship with Paolo Di Canio go back? Uh, my relationship with Paolo started in uh, 2008. Um, I we 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 were in the same coaching course in Coverciano in Italy. Uh, it was a, a, a fantastic course because it it was full of uh, former professional players, top players in Italy. I was 
basically uh, coming from 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 nothing because I never had a, a professional football career. Uh, among these uh, these coaches, there were Paolo, of course, but other big names for the football uh, for the Italian football like uh, Eusebio Di Francesco, uh, Di Biagio, uh, Di Livio, um, and others. Uh, and then uh, our our friend, no, it was. I wouldn't say it was a friendship from from the beginning because we, I was more you know um, close to other people there, not with Paolo uh, actually, but at some point I would say it was a six six weeks course. Only in the last couple of weeks we we became a bit closer because it's, I remember that he started to to be interested in, in what I, I was. Uh, saying, you know, because sometimes you, you you were asked to do group works, and then uh, we we had the chance to work together and discuss about football methodology, basically. And pro- probably I think that uh, he, he liked some some of my uh, ideas. And uh, uh, I remember that at the end of the course, he said, he told me that if he would ever started his coaching career, uh, probably he, he asked me to, to join him. But, you know, this was something that I didn't really uh, get. I didn't really, not believe, but, you know, when, uh, when you're a player, for top player like him, you, you've met a lot of people in your career. Uh, but then he was so, um, I would say, loyal to to his word and after three years so 2011 he he rang me and uh, he asked me to to join him for his first uh, uh, professional job at Swindon so it was a a great surprise for me Um, it was a great honor and it was the also my my chance to to work in a in a real professional environment because I always worked in Italy as a coach, but always in a part-time clubs and or youth clubs, youth academy. I had this experience with the Inter Milan, but my my job um, uh, at Swindon was my very first uh, professional uh, job. Mm. So, do you but, but just thinking back then? Fabrizio was was were Claudio and Domenico in that in that mm. actual in that training course as well or was it just no you? no no it was just me uh, I I know uh, Paolo mm, met Claudio uh, during his time at Lazio as a player because Claudio was uh, one of the fitness coaches there uh, when uh, uh, when Paolo played his last few years as a, as a player in, uh, at, at Lazio. Uh, while uh, the story with Domenico was, uh, was a bit curious, and uh, uh, I, I, can, I can tell you, because when I was coach in a local club here in, uh, near Genoa, uh, Domenico was my goalkeeping coach. And um, uh, at some point, when when Paolo decided to build the staff to be, to come at Swindon, it was June maybe or yes, first the first days of June, uh, and uh, he started to build uh, the staff. Uh, there was another fit uh, another goalkeeping coach. To, um, it was a, a former 
goalkeeper in Italy. Uh, but the, uh, I remember that one week before uh, our uh, travel to, to Swindon, Paolo phoned me and told me that this guy uh, decided not to go. Not, um, so he, 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 gave, he gave up, basically. And we were without the goalkeeping coach. So I told Paolo, listen, Paolo, there's this uh, friend of mine, Domenico Doardo, who is, in my opinion, is a great goalkeeping coach. He's a, he's a nice guy. He's a very professional. Uh, and Paolo told me, okay, uh, we, uh, we will take him uh, for our preseason. And then if I like him, uh, he will be our goalkeeping coach. And that was the... The, so this this is what happened with with Domenico, uh, yeah. but so it wasn't uh, he, he was a friend of mine, not Paulo's one. Yeah, understood. So it's interesting because I think I mentioned uh, Fabrizio. We had uh, Paul Caddis on last week, and yes. Paul was very, very, very passionately enthusiastic about um, uh, Claudio, um, and he's he said that when all the guys arrived for pre-season, mm. um, they were absolutely blown away by Claud- Claudio's approach. Um, yes. and, and they're very, very well aware of his reputation. Um, yeah. and, and I think Paul was sort of stressing that, like, you wouldn't believe, you know, because he, he talked the, about thinking when he was on his sunbed, when he got the news that you guys were coming... He was saying that he thought it was very um, that Swindon must have been spending a lot of money, and then when when the guys did their homework, um, mm. Claudio's name st- stuck out as being a very, very, very top, 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 top coach. So, yes, yes, mm. I, I agree, and uh, because probably among the staff, Claudio was mm, definitely the the only one, uh, uh, let alone Paul, of course, but Claudio was. Uh, the only one with, uh, uh, let's say, a professional uh, background. You know what I mean. So, yeah. uh, Claudio was uh, was already in a professional staff. But if you think that now Claudio Donatelli is one of the fitness coaches of the Italian national team with Mancini, so this this uh, speaks, uh, you know, uh, a lot about about Claudio professionalism. I'm not sure that. Uh, Paul Cadiz and the other guys were so happy uh, <laughs> when when Claudio when Claudio made them run during the preseason. Maybe <laughs> maybe they weren't so so glad, but I know what you mean. So Claudio was a, was a top coach, was a top fitness coach. He had also other great experiences uh, uh, after Swindon and Sunderland, of course, and now is uh, as I told you is. Uh, one of the fitness coach of the national team in Italy. So I, I, I think I, I speak. I certainly can speak for Paul based on what he said last week. But also, um, you'll you'll probably keep an eye on a lot of what Cy Ferry does on on his socials. And whilst mm. yeah, at the time, I think they all found it very, very, very hard going. It's yes. very rare that you find a Swindon player now from that era that that doesn't look back on that era and and what that you guys as a collective did for them and their careers and the levels of fitness that you delivered. So I think it's it's like anything, isn't it? I think um, when you're at school and you have a very, very tough teacher at the time, it's horrible. But then as you're about to leave, mm-hmm. you always think quite fondly of them. Um, yeah, so I agree. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a similar thing. I, would, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't say that only 
uh, with regards to fitness you know because uh, fitness is just one part of the of the of the story uh, i would say that all started with uh, a, a lot of um, of course demanding you know because paulo was a demanding coach uh, i don't say something that is uh, is already known because everyone knows how how demanding was paulo in terms of professionalism in terms of of course fitness but also i think that all the players that uh, uh, came through that uh, period uh, have become better players better professionals uh, not only simon ferry i think that uh, i i read i read some interview interviews from uh, matt ritchie and uh, to be honest matt was already a, an outstanding player but he, he never reached that that level before Paolo and ourselves. I I, I mentioned Paolo because, of course, Paolo was was the leader, was uh, the the main the main man. But uh, when you work as a staff, uh, there's a lot of things that maybe go behind the scenes that uh, cannot be uh, evid- so evident. But uh, I would say that. All the players that have the, the chance to, to, to play for us in those two years have become better professionals. Yeah, and, and I think that's that is a general flavour that you that you still pick up now, Fabrizio, when you hear these guys speaking. Um, Simon did a very very interesting interview with Wes Fodringham, and Wes was obviously would have been working primarily with with Claudio, um, mm. but Wes was of of the same. No, with Domenico, well. you mean. Uh, with Domenico, yes, with Domenico, yes, and he was saying exactly the same thing that you know the levels that that you know that they went that they were sort of dragged up to, um, really stood them in good stead. And obviously, Wes is in sparkling form for Sheffield United at the moment, um, yeah. having come back from Glasgow Rangers. Mm. Uh, um, so, time, time, move us along. Um, so, going back to sort of when you first first came here. Um, how good was your English prior to arriving in England, and did you have to study English once you arrived? Uh, my English level wasn't was already average, I would say. Otherwise, Paolo wouldn't took me there because, uh, of course, uh, one of the main things that, in my opinion, uh, made Paolo to the, uh, to keep take the decision to bring me there was because I, I was already speaking pretty good English, I would say. But once I uh, arrived in England, I understood that, I realized straight away that it wasn't enough. But I didn't have the, uh, I didn't have to study, really. I just uh, started to to talk more with the players, especially trying to to listen to the, uh, let's say, the, the, the football slang. <clears throat> so, Something that uh, you don't really know when you're in Italy, because you you, you study English made basically through books or something. But the real the real uh, speed, the real slang, you know, the real way to to talk uh, with football was the most important thing. So I remember that I couldn't understand what was the meaning of uh, far stick, for example. You know, the far post. Some, yeah. Someone said stick, and then I I couldn't understand. So uh, right shoulder or, back, or left sh- shoulder. Uh, so all the things were quite 
um, difficult for me. But then, uh, you know, it took just, I think, a couple of um, weeks and then I was already uh, becoming better. Uh, and then there's no, nothing to do. When, when you, you live in a place, in a country where you are forced to, to, to talk, to speak the language, then uh, at some point you, you, you realize that you, you become better. Uh, it's the same when you go back, like now, for example. Uh, if you don't speak every day, then uh, you lose something. And then you have to start to, okay, you lose the, some words, and then you have to recall the words in your brain. But uh, it wasn't the, that, that difficult, you know. It wasn't a problem. Uh, yeah. The only problem I had in the beginning was with the Paul Cadiz, with the Simon Ferry, because <laughs> of their accent, <laughs> with the Scottish accent, which then became familiar to me because I, uh, afterwards I, 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 had, I made uh, my... A license and, and pro license in Scotland. So uh, I became very familiar with the Scottish accent. So now when I'm talking with, with Simon, sometimes I, I can understand uh, his accent. Yeah, well, there were some wonderful phrases that came out of that, that, that blend of learning the language and indeed speaking the language. I think one of my favourite Paolo-isms was um, when he used to accuse the players of being blurry like rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Blurry. Yes. Blurry. Blurry like blurry. rabbits. I don't mm. think anyone could quite say that like Paolo. Is it... But the, the the good things with Paolo was, in my opinion, that even if he couldn't speak, you know, sometimes his English was a bit uh, Italian English. You know, it was a typical Italian speaking English. Yeah. But the the good things that was that with his body language, with his passion. He could deliver the message. We even the players. I remember that the, the, one of the funniest things happened on the on the football field. Uh, you know, on the training ground was when we had to play uh, Milton Keynes uh, and uh, MK Dons, and they used to to to, to call MK Dons. He, he said Mac Dons. <laughs> we have to play McDonald's, lads, and all the players start to laugh, and we didn't understand why they they were laughing, you know. Uh, and then I I realized that MK dance for Paolo was McDonald's, which was funny. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Paolo Paolo had some real issues there, didn't he? Because I mean, there were times when he, you know, he there was a time he got uh, red carded. I've forgotten who the opposition mm. was. And he, he made the point of saying, well, you're, you're sending me off for being demonstrative. You know, you're mm. sending me off for just being me, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and, that, and that, that is, what, again, one of his golden quotes that will go down mm. in folklore. You know, that, that being, being really honest, Fabrizio, how, how much of that did Paolo kind of hide behind and how much of it was genuine? Like, he, he was literally just being an expressive Italian man and he he had the authorities sort of you know uh, you know sort of coming down hard on him for that. Yeah, uh, I know. I say I would say that truth is in the middle. Uh, a lot of um, things that Paolo did, especially on the touchline, were genuine because he, he couldn't hide his passion. But uh, on the other side, when uh, we were working, maybe. Uh, you know, the, on the daily basis, working in the office, working uh, uh, behind closed doors, he was 
I wouldn't say totally the opposite, but he was a different uh, guy uh, compared to the, the the public side, the public image, mm-hmm. um, because he was very relaxed and we were. He was a l- very much pondering things. Uh, for this, for this reason, I, I I would say that some of his uh, uh, antics were a bit calculated. He was a bit prepared, uh, you know, if, in advance. So sometimes I think he, he did something on purpose just to light up people, for example, or uh, maybe the players themselves, because there were moments where maybe <clears throat> the players and the team were a bit uh, uh, down and uh, he used to do maybe something to to sparkle the 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 energy of the of the of the stadium of the and of the team itself uh, so it was like uh, uh, i would say 80% genuine and 20% something that was uh, theatrical if you want if you if you know what i mean yeah, I mean, as a as a as a performer, it was when when he when he cro- almost like when he crossed the white line. Mm. You 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 saw. Uh, we I mentioned at the start when we talked about my son when he was his mascot, and I t- I've yeah. told this story a few times about how when we went into the room to meet yourself and meet Paolo, I, I was actually sort of fairly apprehensive because he had this enormous kind of reputation. Um, and having never met yourself, I was like, right, I'm walking into a room with these two guys. I don't know what to expect. Is he going to be quite explosive? Is he going to be quite a difficult guy? But actually, he was just like an ordinary family man. Very charming. Very... I remember him asking my son to adjust his tie for him and asking him how my suit looks and <laughs> things like this. But then as soon as he approached the touchline, uh, you know, he kind of turns on the competitor. So that, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so um, here's, a, here's a question for you, Fabrizio, from Nick on Twitter. Nick's asking, what were your first impressions of Swindon as a town and Wiltshire in general? Mm. <laughs> My first impression, unfortunately, was uh, standing uh, with, my, with my car in front of the Magic Roundabout, <laughs> which was... Which was which paralyzing for me. I was paralyzed, literally paralyzed, <laughs> with my car in front of the in front of the of the county ground and the magic roundabout. No, without joking. Uh, my first my first impression, taking account that I before coming to Swindon, I I was uh, I've been in England already uh, only once in my life. It was uh, in uh, nineteen ninety one. For uh, I, I was uh, I was uh, with my friends with some friends at Wembley for the European uh, for the Champions League final Barcelona Sampdoria as a fan uh, and then I never came back so my uh, my first impression of Swindon uh, was uh, so I was so excited so happy to be there that everything. we were um, taken can you hear me ah, okay. yep, got your yeah uh, we were taken uh, straight away to the county ground and once I crossed the, 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 the door the entrance of the county ground I was so overwhelmed from from the the English football traditions uh, you know even the the smell of the place was for me was 
uh, was wonderful. I was so, uh, again, I was so excited to be there that everything looked fantastic to me. Uh, then uh, uh, I, I, I found my apartment in uh, Marlborough, which, was, which is a, a, a beautiful place to live. So for me, it was all fantastic, all beautiful. Then, of course, when you start to, to know the place better, you know which, which uh, part of the, of, the, of the town is better. Some, some other parts are maybe less, less nice to, to see. But I have a fantastic memory of my two years and a half at Swindon. Well, that's that's good to hear. Tyler, do you, do you want to move us along? Uh, yeah, sort sort of answered the next one, but um, Italians are generally known for their love of excellent food. Can you cook? And what would you say is your signature dish? Mm. Uh, about what? Sorry, can you can you can you say again? Yeah, yeah. Um, Italians are generally known for their love of excellent food. Ah, okay. Can you cook, and what is your signature dish? Okay, I cannot cook, <laughs> to be honest. So I can cook pasta as usual. All the all the Italian people, all Italian people can do that. Uh, my favorite dish is uh, la pasta spaghetti al pesto. Pesto is a traditional sauce here in Genoa. You know the green one with basil. Yeah. Uh, that that for sure is my favorite one. And uh, but I'm not a, a great. Uh, chef, <laughs> my wife do, does it for me. I, I, I really, I don't like, I don't like cook, cooking. Uh, but my favorite one is for sure spaghetti al pesto. So, so Fabrizio, what are the three things you must never put on a pizza? <laughs> uh, never ananas, pineapple. I know that some someone. <laughs> <laughs> Put pineapple on pizza, which is, in my opinion, is um, ah, uh, awful. Uh, pineapple for sure. Um, I would. I don't know to be honest. Not well. You know, in Swiss, in Sweden, yeah. Fabrizio, people are putting spaghetti bolognese on a pizza. No, no, that that is that is uh, uh, no, no, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, for from from this point of view, I've seen something. Really, really bad. <laughs> but you know, because pizza, if you come to, if you ever come to Italy and you can have a pizza, you will see that it's not that elaborated. You know, it's not. It's quite basic. You know, margarita is the main, the main one, and uh, you don't need to put a lot of things. Uh, I wouldn't, of course, uh, spaghetti bolognese on pizza, pineapple on pizza, and maybe uh, chips on pizza. <laughs> which is something that uh, you can be killed here in Italy for, for that. <laughs> well, I promise we won't put any of those things on a pizza anymore. No, no, no. Don't Tyler, do that. You're, you're, under strict, you're under strict orders, Ty. No, it's, it's not me. It's McCurdy <laughs> you need to tell with a spaghetti bolognese. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's very true. So this is the thing, Fabrizio. Mm. You might not like it, but our top scorer is putting bolognese on a no, pizza. So uh, I'm not, you know, it, it, maybe it has a performance benefit. Probably, but I, uh, you have to stop that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you won't survive one day right. in Italy. <laughs> right. Well, here's another question for you, um, and this is from SM1 on Twitter, who asks, "What do you remember from your first day at the club?" 
is it true you and your fellow coaches were appalled at the perceived lack of squad fitness? Uh, so we are talking about our first day at training, probably in that from that point yeah. of view. Uh, yes, I would say that that is true uh, because if I remember, um, we were. Uh, walking outside our training uh, dressing room, and I met Matt Ritchie. I think he, he, he said the same in, in some interview. And it is, this is the truth. We met Matt Ritchie, and uh, uh, he was a bit um, fatty, if I would say, if I can say that, <laughs> with the flip flops and the shorts, and uh, he, he looked like a, a tourist. A tourist, you know, in uh, uh, in his short pants and a t-shirt. Uh, so, uh, to be honest with you, they struggle. They struggle a lot because the main point, in my opinion, was that oh, the, the the probably the first two or three weeks we we tried to make them understand how um, important was the the, the diet. So to, to, to eat properly, maybe to drink a bit less, you know, because I know that this, we knew that that was a part of the, of the, of the culture. You know, everyone has his own culture. Maybe uh, there's nothing wrong uh, if I say that uh, as you English guys, you like maybe to drink one beer, one pint. I, I understand that was uh, normal, but for, for, from an, an athlete point of view, maybe you should uh, you should uh, uh, think twice. So um, once the players understood that all the the rules that Paolo wanted to 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 bring uh, weren't for their uh, bad, but for their sake. Once they this this idea clicked in in the players' brain, I remember that that was the the. the the starting point for the for the success, uh, the success. So uh, yes, of course, the first few days were uh, difficult because they couldn't they couldn't cope with uh, with uh, a normal run. Uh, not many of many of them, but um, once they started to 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 take you know uh, to to bring to to buy in the the, the idea. Then uh, everything started to 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 become uh, easier for us and for them, of course. Because if you remember how many how many games we won uh, during, especially in the first season, we won a lot of games in the last twenty minutes. I remember a lot of teams coming to the county ground or even a, even away. Uh, maybe teams that fight that fought for their lives for seventy minutes. But then at some point they they were struggling to to run while our players were flying. That was uh, thanks to the fitness preparation and also the the, the mental strength of the players with regards to their uh, private life, how to behave, how to to drink, how to recover, all the things that make uh, a player a better player. Yeah, I think G G the Gilliam game at the county ground is one that really sticks in my mind along those lines, mm. where Matt Ritchie laced home an absolute rocket, yes. um, and and Luke Rooney scored as well. 
um, yeah, late. That, I seem to remember. I think we came from behind to win that mm-hmm. in those circumstances. Um, so that definitely rings a bell. Ty, Ty do you want the next one? Uh, yeah. Um, did you face any resistance from players with your approach to training and fitness when you were at the club? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, a lot of players uh, were struggling. A lot of players were struggling, but they they tried to cope with that. They tried to fight. They tried to resist. Uh, and they, they were the players that Paolo respected the most because Paolo was aware that they were struggling, but he was always... Um, complimentary with those players who were struggling but they couldn't give up they didn't give up Um, Simon Ferry was one of those players so Simon was probably the the player who struggled the most because of his uh, lack of fitness but then I remember that he he fought for himself and uh, he gained a lot of respect from Paolo and, and ourselves. Uh, other players were totally the opposite. Uh, I, 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 didn't, I don't like to mention names because, you know, it's not fair. But there, were, there was a lot of uh, conflict between players, ourselves, players, Claudio. Uh, many players came to me because probably they were afraid to, to go straight to Paolo. And they were coming to me, asking me, uh, Fab, can we do a bit less of this or that? Uh, I, and I was, I was always uh, trying to help them, but first make them understand that what they were struggling for, it, it could be their, uh, you know, their, their, their strength afterwards. Yeah. So, and yeah. I think that it was the, the key it was the key and uh, I remember that Paolo was good to uh, to reward these players because they were examples for the others yeah uh, well what's really interesting Fab talking about Simon if you if you ever compare and I'm sure most people have probably picked up on this as well but if you compare a picture of Cy Ferry in the playoff semi-final in 2010 took mm-hmm. to, to the Simon Ferry after the 5-0 victory against Port Vale the the shape of his face yeah. like obviously he's in only in his pants so yeah. you can see his full physique <laughs> but in, in particular the shape of his face is completely different yes um how, how much weight would you have said he would have lost in that in that uh. sort of space of time fab I don't know because uh, I know that in English, in England, you use stones, which is about seven kilos, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. A stone is yeah. seven kilos. Uh, Simon, I would say that Simon lost at least ten kilos in, uh, in wow. yeah, for sure, from the beginning of the season uh, t- to the end. I would say yes, from seven to to ten kilos. But it wasn't the, the only one. Eh? Matt Ritchie was another one. Uh, Joe De Vera. You remember Joe De Vera was another one yeah. who struggled yeah. a lot at the beginning. Uh, I I don't remember others, but for sure Simon was the the main example of this uh, transformation. Uh, well, when when Fabrizio, when you consider the collective loss of weight across the squad, mm. 
and then you start thinking about the team performance over the course of a season. I mean, is that an equation that you would have used as a coach? Would you did you ever look at it collectively, or was it always about the individual? But, uh, a team is the, the one. A team is a, is a, is a uh, is a group of individuals. So when every, every each individual get better, uh, especially physically. The whole team uh, is affected. So, um, of course, when you when you think about Simon, uh, if you if you if your weight is uh, one stone, uh, you're one stone lighter, then you you run faster, you run uh, more, uh, you you can uh, you can uh, run for more for long. So, uh, if you can uh, if you share this for the whole team. For the for all the players, then you can become. I don't want to say invincible, but especially in League Two and League One, where you know at the time, and uh, I don't know if now is the, the situation is different, but I, at the time, I remember that when with Paolo we were studying the other teams because we 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 always uh, studied a lot the other teams. We were always uh, noticing that. All the teams at some point uh, started to to struggle physically because of you know the, the physical shape of the the individual players, and then uh, from from that point of view, uh, to be better physically, it became uh, uh, one of our main weapons. Yeah. Well, okay. So Fabrizio Paul on Twitter has asked. Do you have any standout memories or stories from the preseason trip to Italy? <laughs> of course, I have um, stories. Um, of course, the, our preseason in Italy, I remember, it was in Norcia in Italy. Um, one, let me think if there is something that is uh, is uh, it, it worth to be uh, tell. Told, um, told. Uh, to be honest with you, the the the, I don't have. Yes, of course. Uh, when when we we we've been asked to 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 sing a song before, you know, the, during the preseason, and we were. Uh, I remember that some of uh, of, of us as a co as a staff uh, sang an Italian song, but I tried to. To sing an English song, and all the players were were laughing, you know, at me, because of course, if you think my level of uh, of English, so it was it was really bad. Um, <coughs> I have a lot a lot of nice memories from the second preseason. I remember in uh, we were in, um, in in on the Lake Garda, uh, and uh, I had a, a memory of. One night when we decided to to give one night out to the players because you know after a couple of weeks they were uh, they deserved to to go out and uh, when when they came back to the to the hotel it was something that I I, I never forget my whole life uh, Tommy Miller. Uh, completely drunk or, <laughs> or Simon <laughs> Ferry naked in the corridor <laughs> trying to enter his, uh, his own room but uh, but in his room there was I don't remember maybe Paul Caddis 
sleeping and he couldn't he couldn't <laughs> enter the room and he was naked on the corridor. <laughs> but you know, it's been it's been because we had we had a, a lot of funny funny moments in those two years. A lot of uh, also maybe you know bad moments, you know uh, difficult moments, but also good, very good moments. Yeah, for sure. Go on, Ty. What's the next one? Um, can you can you go with the next one? Because yeah, I don't yeah. quite understand the question myself. Yeah, no problem at all. So this is from Reg, uh, who sent this in via an SMS text. And Reg is asking, being honest, Fabrizio, mm. was fear amongst the squad your ally at Swindon Town? And if so, to what extent? What fear? Yeah, so I think what he's trying to say is, did 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 you did yourself and it's clearly aimed towards Paolo and his management style. In terms of making the players afraid, was was that something that that was was like a like a primary tool that you guys used to manage the team at Swindon? And if so, to what extent was mm. making these guys afraid useful? Make the players afraid? No. Uh, uh... I I never thought that the players were afraid of something. Um, to to be honest with you, of course, Paolo wasn't the uh, how can I say? So Paolo was someone who was, to be honest, was easy to to get along with. So he, he, the only thing he, he, he wanted from the players was to be professional, uh, to be focused, to be uh, dedicated to, to the cause, uh, to, the, to the team, to the club. And if uh, he realized that there was someone who wasn't, probably he became uh, you know, difficult to, to live with. But if I remember that all the players that were... Um, you know, a professional, and they were uh, always 100% focused. They didn't have any problems with him. This is my opinion. Uh, of course, Paolo's man, man management wasn't probably uh, the easiest one to, to, to cope with because it was very demanding. It was so... Uh, uh, strict, strict, some somehow. Uh, I think that probably this is something I can I can say ourselves as a staff. We were much more afraid uh, to make mistakes uh, because he was. Maybe the players don't know that uh, if Paolo was demanding with them. It was much, much more with us, with myself, with uh, with Domenico, with uh, with Claudio, with uh, with the uh, physio, because he always told us, if we if we are not hundred percent every day, then the players can can uh, use this. So we are we were always asked by Paolo to be always hundred percent, and I have to say that it was difficult, it was tough for me especially. It was very tough for me, especially at the beginning, because sometimes you you just want to relax a bit, and uh, you couldn't do that with uh, with Paolo because uh, he, he was always uh, asking for more. But there were there were times where I was exhausted, 
but then I realized that that was the only way to to succeed. And the 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 the, the, the history the history said that we we did that. So uh, yeah. when you work you work with Paolo, you you have to be sure that you have to keep the standard very high. Yeah, that that was it's, a problem. It's interesting. Fabrizio, what's really interesting, and, and, and we talked with Paul Caddis about this last week, that if you look at pictures of Paolo, look at just the first season alone, the pictures of Paolo at the start of the season and then the pictures of Paolo at the end of the season, he actually did look exhausted. So I think it's it, you, you get the impression he's very demanding of you guys, but he was mm. also very demanding of himself. Yeah, listen, I, I can tell you, I can tell this story, which is, true and uh, this takes this uh, says a lot about what i was uh, saying before uh, you remember the game against against uh, wigan you know mm-hmm. everyone every swindon fan remembered that that game which yep. was one of the our highest moments uh, my my main job with paolo was uh, like a sort of match analyst so I didn't do a lot of job on the field. Uh, he was uh, very hands-on on the on the training ground, but my main job was uh, behind the scenes. Uh, I was uh, the one who was studying the op- the opponents, m- uh, doing all the clips of the opponents. So my my main job was was to te- give Paolo all the informations about the opponents, and Paolo was. Uh, giving this information to our players, but uh, my I would say my masterpiece was against Wigan when I gave all, to Paolo all the information, even of the fringe players, because a lot of fringe players played that game against us. Uh, so I was, and then after the game we we won, and then I was so proud about myself and Paolo. Uh, one of his rare moments where he came to me and uh, shook my hand and told me, great job, Fab, you did a great job. Uh, next game, after that game, we I remember maybe one week later or something, we played Oxford away. There was, a, there was a, an Oxford player, a fullback. I remember that in my, in my analysis, I... I told I told Paul that the, that player was left-footed. Maybe uh, Paolo gave this information to the players, and I remember Alan Connell uh, raising his hand and said to Paolo uh, Gaffer, "I know this player is not left-footed; he's right-footed." <laughs> I remember <laughs> Paolo <laughs> kept talking in uh, the pre-match talk, uh, when the players went out, he came to me and he told me, I remember, I will remember for the rest of my life, he told me, if you do another mistake like this, you you walk, you go back you go back to Italy. <laughs> so, thanks, think, Alan Connell. Yeah, thanks, yeah, Alan Connell. Yeah, thanks, Alan. Good. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, want, I want to publicly thank Alan Connell. No, but this, this, tells, this tells a lot about the standards, you know, because I was and I remember, but from from a, from a coaching point of view now, after many years, I realize, and I, if I'm honest with myself, 
I can say that after the Wigan game, I was a bit relaxed, you know, uh, and maybe I didn't do my job like I should. For this reason, Paolo uh, was ready to to raise the standard again. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, as you say, demanding of everybody. So, you know, it wasn't like anybody had any excuses for Bristol. Exactly, exactly. So, what have we got next, Ty? Um, was there anything about the English bottom division that surprised you as a coaching team? Um, there was, after all, a significant turnaround of players with many early signings disappearing. Mm, what I remember that the first thing that uh, struck me when I started to uh, analyze the League Two teams was the uh, very poor organization, especially defensively. Uh, I remember watching the games of League Two teams. I was uh, wondering how it was possible to, to see defenders fighting, you know, even in the, in the six-year box, uh, elbows, uh, but without any single organization between players, which was something that we started to do from, from the beginning. I remember Aidan Flynn was one of our best players. Uh, he, he, he struggled a lot at the beginning because he, we were asking him to work as a unit, not only for himself. This is, this is the reason why we, we brought, remember uh, Comazzi, Alberto Comazzi. Yeah, yeah. Pa- Paolo wanted him not because he was a, like a great performer, but he was a player who could uh, organize the, the, the back four. Uh, at least, uh, you know, the, the principles uh, to, to, to defend as a, as a back four, to defend as a line, as a unit, uh, to be organized, to use the offside trap. And that was something that a lot of teams didn't, uh, didn't do in, in at our time, you know, at that time. Um, so basically, the, I, I remember a lot of uh, energy, a lot of intensity in the game, but most of the teams were... Um, were uh, organized and that was one of in my opinion together with the fitness it was one of our best weapons so to be um, better organized if you remember uh, he, he, both the first season and the second season we were the best defensive uh, team so uh, yeah. that speaks a lot about uh, it wasn't we didn't do something you know uh, so difficult it was quite basic it's, it was a 442 uh, with three four uh, good ideas but especially defensively were very uh, hard to to break while the other teams were quite uh, you know shambles yeah yeah Right, Fabrizio, Nathan is asking, uh, well, he says, I used to love watching Matt Ritchie and Paul Caddis interplay on the right flank. What was your favourite element of the 2011-12 team? Uh, Of course, watching the combinations between the two two of them, so Matt Ritchie and Paul Caddis and Simon Ferry as well, so 
we were working as a chains, if you know what I mean. So we were our our principles were uh, a lot based on chains on the side on the flanks, and of course our right flank was was probably the, the one of the main uh, features of of that team. Uh, I remember that the combinations with Matt Ritchie coming in 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 inside and and Paul Cadiz overlapping. Uh, playing with the third man, so that was great to watch, and of course it was very effective. But yeah, I would say that the the, the best player for for uh, for us in that season was uh, for sure was Matrici, uh, because he was consistent. He was uh, scoring goals. It was the one that were, you know, uh, when when things were a bit tight, he was the one who. Could uh, could break the opponent with with the, with a shot or something. So, I think that uh, he was the uh, one of the best performers, and I would say also maybe a player that was a bit underrated at the time, in my opinion. But was uh, one of our main uh, main uh, player was Alan Connell, because uh, Alan was the typical. Uh, six-year box uh, player, maybe not the best technically. I remember when uh, when uh, in training he wasn't probably the Paulo's favorite, but you know it was the one that uh, maybe in tight areas in uh, inside the the, the the box he was always at the right time in the right place, a sort of Inzaghi, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I think that his goals were the, the most important, especially the first game when we started our run against Rotterdam home. Uh, he scored two goals and uh, that was the, the beginning of our um, escalation. So do you, do you think, Fabrizio, we would have won at Wembley if Paul Caddis had been fit? Hmm. Uh, in the insight, it's difficult to say. Um, to be honest with you, I don't think that uh, one player could make the difference. Mm, it was uh, one of the lowest points of our team. Probably it was because of the, you know, the, the stage, the, the moment, the, the importance of the game. And uh, I remember... All the players were underperforming, not just one, not just uh, because of Paul Cadiz uh, not playing. Or uh, there was this uh, in the on the inside. In the inside, sorry, I would say that one mistake that Paul made, that we made, to be honest, we made together, was to play McEvely, because yeah. uh, probably it was with us only. Uh, from few uh, few days, and then maybe it was a bit uh, too early to play him. And I know that Paolo could say could say the same if he if uh, if he can. But this this is something that uh, you know uh, we can say now. We can tell now everything because uh, it's easy now to to speak about that. But yeah. to be to be honest, I think that we lost that game because of the the whole performance that the. the 
uh, we weren't that fluent, we weren't that uh, brave like we, we were used to do against uh, other teams probably because, you know, Chesterfield was already also a good team uh, to play against. But um, it was, I think it was uh, anyway a fantastic day for, for all of us. Yeah, we, we, we've had better at Wembley. I've got to be honest, Fab, we've had better. But nonetheless, you know, we all, we all, had, a, we all had a nice day in the sun. Um, Ty, t- take us forward. Um, so this one's going to come in from Gabs. It's, a, it's about Aldershot. And the question is quite simple. After Aldershot, did you actually let them dance? <laughs> Sorry, I lost the connection. Hello? Can you hear us? Yes, now yes. Sorry, I oh, lost yeah. the connection for a for a few seconds. So can you say? Can you repeat? Yep. No, no worries. So the question's coming from Gabs. After Aldershot, did you actually let them dance? <laughs> 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 I think you know this is something that from time to time I, I read uh, on, on social medias or something. Uh, I would say that there's a lot of things that are part of the history and others that maybe when you, it's like when you say something and then someone else say the same and then at some point it became something different. Uh, It was, you know, like, uh, of course, the moment wasn't one of our best moments because after Aldershot we had this uh, uh, problem with, with some players, but we all know, everybody know what happened. Uh, yes, that, that the story was that Paolo was like mm, pretending to dance like <laughs> the players did. And he said to me, Fab, put the music on, let them dance. Like, you know, okay, let's just because we, we lost against Aldershot. Nah, don't, no worries, let them dance. But it was, of course, it was, uh, it was angry with the players. But you know, uh, so I remember that was a, a, a funny, funny moment afterwards. But at that moment, not all the players were were laughing. I don't think nobody, <laughs> nobody was. And then I remember Paolo start started to to pretend a dance, you know, to dance like you know he was pretending to be. Uh, I don't know if it was Paul Cadiz or someone else. It was of Wes, I don't remember. And then uh, he turned to me and said, "Fab, put the music on. Uh, let them dance." Let them that dance. that was that was the story, you know. But was just you know. Uh, I don't know why this story has become so uh, popular. Like the the other the other one when we were uh, in the second season, we we sh- that was really funny. Uh, we we were preparing the game against Stoke City, and at some point we we tried our set place, and just because we knew that uh, Peter Crouch <laughs> would have been uh, you know on the field, we were trying to try how to deal with with Peter Crouch. So at some point, I took Paolo on my shoulders to. To to pretend to to be uh, playing against Crouch, so that was that was funny because I was I was walking with Paolo on my shoulder, and Paolo asked I don't know I don't remember it was Matrici to take the the corner kick you know just to see how to cope with a two meter guy, 
that was funny. I was uh, struggling with Paolo on my shoulders, and then the players, the players were were, were laughing. And uh, okay, but you know, there has been a lot of great moments with uh, with Paolo. A lot of bad moments, a lot of. Uh, difficult ones, but also a lot of good moments, uh, also on the field. Yeah. Uh, and that was one of the best, probably. <laughs> so, here's a question from Nathan via Twitter, Fabrizio. Nathan asks, was there any temptation on your part to stay and have a go when Paolo left? Or was it a sure thing you'd be leaving with him? No, 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 no. no. no never had this, uh, this uh, thought, never had this temptation. Basically, for one reason, because if I if I was there, it was because Paolo took me there. I would would have never uh, did something like that because it, I'm a loyal guy, and uh, I would never done that. Even even this is uh, has to be said. Even if before the game, before we 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 traveled to. Tranmer, I was asked, asked by the board to to keep uh, to take the team, and I I, uh, I I told straight away, and the coaching staff was was there. I told them no thanks because I I, I can't do that to Paolo because it, it would have been like uh, betray him, and I'm not that, that type of guy. Um, so um, of course, of course. This is has nothing to do with my my intention, my pleasure to, to to coach that team because you know it was a pleasure to coach that play those players and that team. But to be honest, sometimes you have to give up something because of your pride and uh, your honor. And I'm not a coward. I'm not a betrayal. Uh, I don't want to be remembered like that. Even if it was, uh, it could be a good things for me. But I have to sh- to look at my face in the mirror every day. Yeah, totally understood. Ta- Tyler, do you want the next one? Sure thing. Um, did you ever have an encounter with football, Phil? And more broadly, how did you find the West Country accent? Because I think Swindonians sound like pirates. And that one's come from <laughs> AB on Twitter. No, no, as I said before, I, I, to be honest, if you, if any one of you come to Italy, it's difficult for for you to understand the different accent from different part of the of Italy. It's the same for me. Probably only with Scottish people, I I could list, I could uh, uh, get the difference. But I don't uh, I don't remember to to have to have any problems with the west uh, uh, west accent west england accent or something like that no 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 not at all all right well here's one for you then do you think paolo di canio will ever return to swindon town fabrizio and if so would you return with him uh, for, to the second question i would say straight away yes 100% yes, because uh, Swindon and Swindon Town and Swindon uh, is something that I it's always uh, in my heart uh, and I will come back uh, tomorrow morning. I don't think that Paolo will return, but not because of Swindon, because I don't think that Paolo will ever return to, to manage. Uh, 
uh, after because after Sunderland now it's nine years after uh, Sunderland, which means that Paulo is not um, managing a team since uh, ever since. Uh, and now Paolo is uh, doing a different job in Italy. He works uh, as a pundit in the Italian television. I think that he likes, is uh, he, enjoying his uh, his job now. He's enjoying his, ta- his time there. And uh, I, I don't know, to be honest, if he would like to come back to coaching or to managing. Uh, but I think that if there is one one place and one club that Paolo would uh, love to to start again with uh, would be Swindon Town because sometimes we we talk about our uh, I met Paolo last summer and uh, we were with uh, some friends and uh, he started to talk about our experience in England uh, the whole experience and uh, he didn't mention Sunderland once we, he was just talking about our time at Swindon because I did the same when I talk about my experience in England. Even if Sunderland was Premier League, I don't have the same feelings. I don't have the same memories. I don't have the same uh, uh, pleasure. You know, when uh, when I recall my time in in England, like when I talk uh, about Swindon, I remember every sun, Saturday morning coming to the county ground before the, the match day, uh, the, the, the game. Uh, people were, were waiting for us and asking for um, a picture, you know, a photo or something. And everyone was so uh, happy, you know, with us. And we were happy to, to, to share these moments with, with the, the whole, the whole uh, people. Uh, there, there was a sort of a chemical, uh, I don't know how you can say, uh, you can say uh, like magic, something magic between ourselves as a staff and the, and the team and, uh, and the fans. That was something that, uh, you know, uh, you, you, can't, you can't forget. Uh, of course, I, I, will, I will come back to Swindon. Uh, and to be honest, it's one of my... Um, Dreams one one day to be to come back to Swindon as a coach. Of course, after many years and my experience uh, in this in this uh, last years, of course, I will uh, I will like to I would like to come back as a head coach, of course. But this is something that uh, has to be in the future uh, when when everyone will be ready. But this is one of my dreams. Sounds good to us. Uh, Ty, do you want the next one? So this one's coming from Teresa, and she said, I would like to go camping in Italy this summer. Where does Fabrizio think is the best camping destination that doesn't involve running or any other form of strenuous exercise? (laughs) (laughs) No, in the summer, uh, any any place in, in Sardinia... Sardinia in summer is the best place in Italy to come and to 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 maybe to also to to play football. You know there are there is a lot of the summer camps organized by clubs in Italy, but no no run involved, no struggle, no struggles, no strange drills. Just playing football, enjoying the summer, enjoying the sunshine, 
and the seaside, which is fantastic. So Lee on Twitter for Brexit, I was asked, have you ever applied for the managerial role at Swindon since you left? Mm, no, I didn't. Because for me, it wouldn't would have been disrespectful. So I would I will apply. I will apply uh, if the job will become vacant. Mm-hmm. Of course, I would like to apply, uh, but I'm not. I, I would I would never apply when there is a manager in place. Yeah, because uh, I I am a, I'm a head coach. I'm a manager at the moment. And I know that there is a sort of uh, mutual respect from uh, between uh, between managers, between head coach, head coaches. So you you don't apply for a job when there is already someone else uh, doing the job. It's not fair. It's not yeah. uh, my style. But of course, if uh, the, one day the manager job at Swindon will become vacant, I will apply for sure. So there's been a few changes, Fabrizio, since you left, but you've never actually made an application whilst it's been available. No, because when I remember that when uh, this happened, I was already uh, coaching somewhere else. I was in Portugal once. I was in Finland. Uh, I've been in Finland for almost three years with my club there. Uh, and then at S Roma again. And... Uh, uh, when I was at S Roma, I was uh, enjoying my time there. So I didn't uh, f- feel that that was the right time, you know, to apply. Also, yeah. also I have to say that just because I, I've been following Swindon Town since I left, I know that uh, there has been a bit of trouble, let's say, uh, from the... Uh, club point of view, which I know that since uh, the new owner came in, uh, everything now is uh, in place and everything now is going very well, which is you know better. And I'm happy for for the club and for the for the fans that now uh, the turmoil is over. Yes, yeah, well, yeah, it, we we came very very close to the brink in the summer, uh, Fabrizio, as I'm sure you're aware. Um, yes. Tyler, do you want the next one? Yeah. Um, you've briefly touched on this one sort of already, but are you still in touch with Claudio and Domenico and where are they now? Uh, I'm in touch with Domenico. Now Domenico is in Qatar, uh, in a club there, uh, with uh, Stramaccioni, who is uh, an, Italian head, an Italian manager. Um, he's been around... Uh, in the world a lot, uh, especially in the Middle, e- Middle East uh, in the last few years. Uh, I'm not in touch with Claudio anymore uh, because, you know, life sometimes can, can uh, uh, take, take us in different, uh, different directions. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm in touch with uh, uh, the physios that were with us. Uh, yeah, but the only one I'm not in touch with anymore is uh, Claudio. He's Claudio. Yeah, and Claudio. Doing, and, yeah, and Claudio he's doing is, very uh, well. He's doing very well. You say yes. he's with the, the national team. Yes, he's with the national team since uh, three years ago, since uh, Mancini took over. Now Claudio is, uh, is working for the national team. Uh, and, uh, of course, that was the, the, the stuff. I'm in touch with uh, 
the, another member of the staff who was with us, Paul Godfrey, uh, was the only uh, English uh, guy in the staff. It was uh, our head of physio. And uh, so I'm, sometimes uh, we're in touch. You know, with the social media, it's much easier. Uh, sometimes I, I'm in touch with uh, people that, uh, who, who used to work for the club at the time. Um, so um, friends and uh, because I left good friends there Mark Mark uh, Isaacs who was uh, our um, stadium uh, uh, manager at the time and I know that he came back at some point at the club and uh, so that's it yeah, and there are there are relations of Mark in the kit room. You'll be pleased to know. Uh, Jonah is a very popular um, member yes. of the setup of Swindon Town, and yes. he's a, a regular on this show as well. You'll be pleased uh, to know. Yes. Well, we're, um, so we're, we're down to our penultimate question for you, Fabrizio. So we're nearly there. So, were there any local Swindon food or customs? that you have retained an affection for? Are you still drinking Arkell's beer? Do you still eat West Country cheddar? Are you still <laughs> ice skating, as no doubt you did at the Link Centre? <laughs> mm, I remember, I, I can say this, uh, I remember with, uh, with a great pleasure uh, that with my wife, we, we used to, to have a beer and uh, fish and chips in a place in uh, Marlborough called, if I'm not wrong, the Bell and the Chain or something. And uh, another, and uh, there was another great restaurant. Uh, I don't remember the place, to be honest. It, it was called The Crab. The Crab was the name of the restaurant. It was a very good restaurant. And uh, the food, about the food, uh, the food, the fish and chips, uh, it was our favorite food, our favorite food. But I don't know if uh, it's typical Swindon food, but it, this is the, the only food that I, 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 still, uh, I still remember with pleasure. Maybe Quite, un- quite unusual, Fabrizio, for an Italian man to turn around hmm. and say he enjoys the good old-fashioned English fish and chips. No, good, no, no. Good on you. Yes, <laughs> but no, that was, uh, that was uh, one of the great pleasure <laughs> you know uh fish and chips only in england you know here in italy you you cannot have it so uh in england is it's uh mandatory to 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 eat uh, fish and chips well you're, you're always welcome and when you're considering coming to the uk fabrizio you look tyler and i up We'll have a game at the county ground, and I promise mm. you we'll take you for some fish and chips. That's the least that we'll be able to do for you. Yes, right. thank you. Thank our, you. Our, our final question that I'll ask um, Tyler to ask Fabrizio is actually from a Sunderland fan. Mm. Good. And, and so he, he's asked, was the players' earning power an issue for you at Sunderland? Hmm. <sighs> This is one probably one of the things I, I one of the questions I I'm, I don't want to answer because not because I uh, it, it, I don't want to answer because it would take much more discussion. It's not that black and white, you know, black yeah. or white. Yeah. So it's, I cannot say that it was like the players earning power or or something different because too many things happen behind the scenes that. 
uh, is, is not that, uh, that easy to answer to. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Don't be sorry, Fabrizio. I mean, I think, listen, we, we won't get you to elaborate. Um, but I think um, what was interesting was that um, when Paul, Paul Caddis was on the show last week, he actually posed a similar kind of scenario where he said, look, as Swindon, obviously we as players, you know, we, we had to earn a living. So there was a, a certain element of, um, uh, I think he used the word fear, but not in a sense of yes. being terrified, but as in, you know, you could, you could easily say, look, you know, I, you know, you're, you know, you're, you won't be playing for Swindon and that would have a, a, a significant impact on some of these guys. But obviously, mm-hmm. In the Premier League, is a very, very different ball game. Yes. Where I mean, yes. for example, at Chelsea, you had I think as Winston Bogard played one game at Chelsea in four years and was rumoured to be earning sort of fifty, sixty thousand pound a week. Mm. Um, which for 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 a lot of their supporters, they were like, yeah, but we we have a, a an oligarch owning the club. No. So yes, you know. but I yeah, but this is this is true, and I mean. Uh, what what works in an environment inside an environment doesn't mean that uh, can work in another one. Uh, probably that was one of the main problem, you know, problems with with our management. Um, I'm sure that if Paolo could uh, uh, leave again, to could come back, you know, uh, to that moment, to that period in Sunderland, probably he would he would have done things differently that was the only thing that i can say yeah uh, another thing uh, that i can say is that uh, paulo is paulo uh, and i am myself so we were totally different because if i wasn't like him probably wouldn't uh, last one day together yeah so yeah. The, we were like you know the, the the sun and the moon or something like that yeah. call it as you like the yin and the yang so he needed yeah. someone like me uh, you know that was probably the is a uh, different side you know but to be honest uh, if uh, if uh, if we could, if we could if we can uh, come back to that moment at Sunderland probably I'm sure that we would do things a bit differently well, Macam Mick, who asked that question, ultimately said to say, "You're still a cult hero for beating the Mags." <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, that was the highest point of our entire mom- period at at, at Sunderland. Yes. Yeah, unless you're Paolo's suit maker, and then I don't think he would say the same thing. But um, I'm, I don't think Paolo's got much left on the suit on the knees of his suit no. trousers. Do you know that that trousers were um, sold in a in a bid? You know, like I, so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Someone bought bought the, these trousers for. I don't know how many how many pounds, but they were sold. Wow! Yeah, no doubt, a lot. Look, Fabrizio, that's that's all the questions. How was that for you? Did you enjoy that? Ah, it was very very nice, and uh, uh, it's always a pleasure to recall my time, my memories at Swindon. Uh, I'm sorry again for my rusty English. Uh, because you know, uh, it's a it's a lot of time that I don't speak English here in Italy because I I didn't have the the need to do that. So uh, it it was good also to to start to, to speak English again. 
and uh, I, I'm sure I, I'm, I, I've enjoyed that. So um, I hope everyone uh, did the same. I have absolutely no doubt that they did, Fabrizio. Listen, Fabrizio, just on on behalf of everyone at Swindon Town, I, I said at the start, you, you're you're very, very well regarded still at the football club, and I know the club would say if they were on, you know, please come back. You're welcome back any time, and we we would all love to see you again. Um, so I I would like to say on behalf of everyone that wears red and white, thank you for everything you did. We had t- just about two amazingly memorable seasons mm. with not just with Paolo, but also with you as well. Um, and your 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 gentle touch around the ground and your humility with all the supporters, as you said, there was a wonderful chemistry. Um, yes. And that's, that, that's things that football fans obviously uh, don't forget. So it's fair to say that you played as big a part in the legend of Paolo Di Canio as, as Paolo played himself. And, and it's everybody knows your name, Fabrizio, as well. Thank so you. Thank you. You, 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 you. you know, I don't think you should ever view yourself as just a support act, as I, as I hope you certainly don't. Um but Fabrizio, listen, please don't, please come back on again sometime. There's, as you said, there's so many things that we could have talked about tonight that we haven't. Um, and if, if we can find the, the right topic of discussion uh, to get you back on again, we'd, we'd love yeah. to have you on for another chat. Anytime. Thank you. No worries, Fabrizio. Listen, we, we've got a we've got a conversation about Forest Green Rovers to talk about now, which you don't have yeah. to hang around for. But um, okay. we'll, we'll be back in touch for sure. Thanks ever Thank so you. much, Fabrizio. Okay. Good luck. Ciao. Take good care, buddy. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Right, Tyler, how do you enjoy that? Well, I'm glad that he remembers us quite fondly, and I'm a bit shocked how fondly he remembers the town itself. I wouldn't say the same things he did. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, he's um, he. Uh, I, I don't know whether I should be shocked, really, because like he's. I mean, he's he's obviously somebody that came in and really kind of immersed himself in the culture obviously living you know living in Marlborough you know he's he was living there with his wife no doubt very very settled um I think um he certainly brought to life the the sort of human side of Di Canio's management that uh, I mentioned right at the start of the show I I got a glimpse of that uh when my son was Paolo's mascot and I'll, I'll tell that story to anyone that would listen that you know I you you see kind of a lot a lot of high performing athletes a lot of high performing performance sportsmen footballers in particular they're very different when they cross the white line aren't they they kind of bring that sort of almost like lion heart to the fore um but it was interesting how Fabrizio touched on that quite a lot with how Paolo was away from the pitch um and, and what also interested me was that when he was talking about the um the, the relationship he had with some of the players, how actually he was a lot more approachable than people think. Yeah, no, I def- definitely agree. I mean, the way that Paolo sort of was, was like everyone knows, he, he was 100 mile an hour, but Fabrizio always did have that, that sort of quieter edge about him, which, like he said, it, it sort of worked perfectly with the whole yin and yang comparison, really. Yeah. So what? All right, then. So here's the question for you, Tyler. What What is it? If you could think of, I always end up saying like, think of three things, but just give me one. What 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 is it that we pine for 
with Paolo because everybody, whenever whenever the managerial job comes up, and I and, and this is this is said with all due respect to the incumbent, given that obviously we are still well in the hunt for a playoff place. Um, and I'm still very, I'm still very pro uh, Ben Garner. I still want Ben Garner to have a fantastically successful full preseason. I want him to have another transfer window, and I want him to be in charge next season. But whenever the managerial job comes up, Paolo's name immediately gets mentioned. Is it just unfinished business, or is there something that we we really, really do miss about him? That's a tough one. Um... Probably is just sort of his sort of hundred mile an hour attitude all the time. Like uh, on the touchline, he was mental. All the stories you've heard about him, he was mental. And and the football that he played was a hundred mile an hour as well with the constant running. Mm. I know that that's one thing a lot of people seem to have sort of like bugbears with this year is is that it's. It's not a hundred mile an hour like we had under Paolo. We had under under Wellens. It's it's a bit more refined, and and you'd argue, it's, it's, well, it's not even an argument. It it just is a bit slower than than they were. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm with you though on the on the whole garnering sort of camp at the moment. Yeah, it, I, what what was interesting was that one of the points that I picked up on, and I didn't really press him on it because ultimately I don't. Listen, we, we tread a very fine line between, I mean, we're, neither you nor I are professional journalists, all right? And we've got to be respectful. We'd like these people to come back on and feel comfortable next time they come back on. And I, I didn't really want to press um, Fabrizio too much around the whole Tranmere piece. But there, there is this feeling amongst some sections of the supporter base that the Tranmere game, that Paolo was in some way a kind of almost like a saboteur of that game because of the that there are a few stories that circulated about the trip up to the ground and preparations for the game and so on and so forth. Um, what was interesting was that Fabrizio kind of alluded to that himself. He was almost like, I think he he kind of ended up leading that Tranmere game sort of with half an arm up his back. That, you know, he, he almost decided that he was going to go up and do that sort of, I got the impression like late because he didn't want to let the players down. Um, although there was never an intention to hang around any longer than that. No, definitely not. But it it's nice to see that that he's keeps his like morals close to heart, even even when it comes to sort of career defining choices and and sticking with with Paolo. That if Paolo brought him there, he leaves with Paolo, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, I'll tell you, it's very interesting as well because there's, I, I, I just finished Glenn Hoddle's uh, book and he doesn't actually touch on this, but I'd read it. I think I've read it in a newspaper about that there was, um, there was a conversation between Glenn Hoddle and John Gorman when John was talked around to kind of stay at the county ground and become a manager in the Premier League and ultimately did that with Glenn's blessing, but you sense there was some awkwardness caused at the time um and and there was no doubt that obviously John Gorman wanted an opportunity to manage in the Premier League I guess that's kind of what what Fabrizio was touching on there like it didn't matter how big the opportunity was that's not a slight on John Gorman by the way but it's just a different managerial culture isn't it that no matter how big the opportunity was and when you consider that we you know we were pretty much table topping back then you know he didn't he did. There was no chance, like literally, not a cat in hell's job. I mean, he spoke with such conviction; he was never going to hang around. Um, 
Interesting. Okay, so here's a question for you then, Ty. To, to what extent, given given the way the, the, that the club is run now, and there's been lots of conversations about, you know, obviously a steady ship, and you know, um, you know, not 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 repeating past mistakes, etc. Could it? Could you? Say, I mean, as unlikely as it sounds, given how settled he is in his other roles, if Paolo came back, could you see him sort of working well with the current structure? No. Mm. I can. I, I don't think he'd come back. I don't think he'd work well. Not just with the current structure. I don't think he'd work well with the way football's changed in in the past what ten years now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think. Uh, listen. I, I think we we tried to take him there, didn't we? With the conversation from the Sunderland fan, um, we tried to take Fabrizio there. I mean, me personally. I. I, I mean, I. You know, you'd almost as a football fan, he's a, he's a football fan's dream, isn't he, Paolo? Because you you kind of want him to have that level of control and an input over a team, where he's just basically coming in saying, "Listen, I'm a proven champion." You know, if you buy into this and you press yourself and push yourself, look, I've done it before at this level. I'll get you to a level that you've never been at before. And if you don't believe me, I mean, the nice thing is now he'd have testimonials from Paul Gaddis. Wes Fodderingham, Matt Ritchie. These are all guys that have gone on and had big careers beyond Swindon Town. And I've just mentioned three names off the top of my head. So he's actually armed with testimonials that he didn't have before. I mean, Cy Ferry, for example, you listen to Cy talking about him on open goal. And and Cy will tell you he's the best coach that he's ever worked with. Um, it feels to me it's, it's, it, it's more of an indictment of the mindset of the modern footballer, isn't it? As opposed to... Because one of the things you don't get from Paolo, you don't, you didn't get stories of, um, you know, some of the, I mean, that there have been managers of yesteryear <laughs> that have said things and done things in the public domain that have led to them getting into a lot of bother. Um, you, you, you didn't necessarily get the impression with Paolo it was that it was ever going to be that sort of thing that would get him on the wrong side of players. You know, it was more the, the you know, literally like you said, the, the all out pressure and demand that he put on those players and and to think that your modern day professional despite the fact that you know with advances in nutrition sports science analytical kind of um input you would think it would be manna from heaven from from a footballer these days but i guess what i'm trying to say is tyler are you saying that well they kind of get the paolo di canio piece now but just without the histrionics that come with it yeah um Another another thing that probably wouldn't go well with him is, is sort of the, the weight that that can come with Paolo. But then again, anyway, it's probably time we should crack on with some Forest Green talk. Yeah, go ahead. You can lead us away, mate. It's not, well, not okay. So um, I think a lot of it tomorrow is going to come is going to come down to mindset. Um, and it's going to go one or two ways, isn't it, really? Uh, obviously, because it's a football match. But um, I would say, listen, from my perspective, they've got themselves promoted. Uh, they're professional footballers. If they've gone away and maybe not been as professional as they need to be in the last 48 hours, then that would obviously stand us in good stead. Um, I think from a mindset point of view, do they feel that they're, the job's kind of pretty much done? Well, they've still got a league title to chase and all of those players will want to want to lift the cup in the way that, obviously, we saw Paul Caddis do twice. Um, 
I, but personally speaking, I think I would much rather be in our position than their position going into tomorrow's game. I love what Ben Garner's saying about us being the hunters and not the hunted. Um, I think that'll, that'll, that will play to our strengths. Um, the concerns that I've got obviously surround uh, injuries and some of the unanswered questions around um, players that are either struggling or, um, you know, I mean, for example, I, I, I've not seen much of the news today just because my life's taken me here, there and everywhere. But has there been any news in the pressure about Manny Egbo? Yeah, he's good to go. Good to go by all accounts. Okay, so in that case, we're probably, it will be whether or not um, Frenchie's got it in him to play another game. Um, hope so. He was we, brilliant on Saturday. But saying that, that everyone was faultless. Yeah. So, him, apparently. And, um, you know, I, I think from that perspective, it's then who comes, you know, who who do we uh, pick to play down the left? Because obviously, Akim's dropped at the weekend. Um, that would probably mean Ellis going in left midfield with Payne and Williams playing in the centre again alongside Reedy. I, um, I don't think you change what, what, what we had. I think. Ellis at left back, obviously, I've, I've been highly critical of at times. But Saturday, the way him and Egbo were just bombing it forward was was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And it was Egbo for well. To be fair, both of them were quite involved in in McCurdy's first, with all going down the left with Ellis, and then <coughs> Egbo just bombed up the other side, one touchdown, and the weight of pass into the middle is. It's perfect, and McCurdy with a first-time finish. We we all know the, the end result. Well, I think that's that, that was the big thing on Saturday, wasn't it? When we get a ball in the box, knowing that you've got McCurdy sniffing around, he's got that predator's instinct, and it it's you know he's he just like he's, as you just said, that it's one touch, one touch and Bosch. I mean, he's he he talked that up, didn't he, after the game? You know, all, just give him a chance. You know, uh, that that's kind of what Harry McCurdy does. So I think to to have that menace sniffing around the box, having it having him back is obviously huge. I think it, he he's got such a reputation now around the division that I think it, he's at worst case a, a, a distraction, best case he's a hat full of goals. So I think the front two, well three, really picked themselves. I mean Louis Barry was very unlucky at the weekend, wasn't he? What was his what was his complete performance like, Tyler? In your in your mind, I thought he was he was good. Very lively, really, really unlucky to have not scored with the uh, sort of chipped effort that's just bounced off the post and gone straight back into the keeper's arms. But mm-hmm. other than that, like the, the kid's just different gravy. He causes so many issues just because of his raw pace, how quick he can do a set of step overs or even anything. Just he is different gravy, and I have no doubt, like. In terms of players we've had in the past 10 years or so, he's the best one in terms of how far they could go in the game. He's unbelievable. Mm. So, And then we've got a big decision to make between the sticks as well, haven't we? Because we've now got the EFL's goalkeeper of the year, um, who was uh, not in the picture on Saturday. Rumours that Jojo was carrying a knock. Um Obviously, we didn't go with a goalkeeper on the bench either because of disciplinary issues. And Wardy was given the nod and didn't put a foot wrong, did he? Another clean sheet for Wardy. No, not a foot wrong. There was um, one moment, well, there were a couple of moments in that first half. One of them, 
which they've had a shot that, that Wardy would have seen really late because I think it's squeezed in between Dion's legs as he's tried to block it. Um, and, and he's done absolutely brilliantly there. And then there was one just before which sort of shows what, what he brings that I think is probably better than what, what Jojo's brought in recent weeks in terms of his organisation in the box and, and the way he sort of can cheer his own defenders on when they do the defending. Because Ellis has made an excellent last-ditch block and Wardy's the first one out sprinting over to him in proper light, encouraging him because of how well he's done, which mm. I, I love Jojo, but he, he's just not been doing the same sort of things recently. So yeah. we, we, we'll we'll go with that. But for me, I think if you can go unchanged, you go unchanged because they were brilliant. The I, in, hmm, Maybe I'll take Johnny out and I'll bring Gladwin in purely just for the bit of height that he'll have compared to what they can do on a set piece. But yeah. other than that, I'll go with that. Also, Johnny starting back-to-back in such short time seems a bit a bit risky. And when if you can have Johnny Williams for the running, you want Johnny Williams for the running. Yeah, and I mean, listen, as a, as a bona fide fan of Gladwin, um, I'll just pick up on, I mean, we've name-checked him so much tonight. Um off the back of, if anyone hasn't listened to the Caddis show from last week, then they absolutely should. It was an absolute belter. But we spent a bit of time talking about Gladwin and, you know, Paul Caddis was really enthusing about him. I mean, the thing about Gladders, I mean, he was quality against him earlier in the season. He's, you know, one pass, the guy can win a game off, you know, um, you know, with with a single moment of brilliance. And I know there's a counter argument of that, more than happy to swallow that. But I'm inclined to agree with you. I think... I can see Gladwin coming in for Williams with Williams coming on at the typical shift change around that 70-minute mark, as we saw quite a lot earlier in the season. Um, and I'd, 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 be, I'd, be to- I'd be quite happy with that, to be fair. So I, th- I think the goalkeeping situation, and I mean, you know, listen, speaking from a goalkeeper's perspective, I, I said this earlier in the season, I didn't think that Wardy should have been dropped when Jojo came in um, so quickly. I think it was after the Rochdale game at home. Um, I am of the opinion that if you're going to have a real competition between your goalkeepers, then, you know, when one of them drops a rick, you've got to bring your number two straight in and give him the opportunity to stake a claim. And I think it gets dangerous in terms of motivation for your perceived number one if you don't do that. Because your number one essentially knows, well, I'm the undisputed number one here. I've got to do something pretty bloody serious to lose my place. And it's more than likely going to be an injury and an injury only that's going to cause me to do that. That then obviously has a knock-on effect to your motivation year number two, because they know no matter how well they do do, or if they give a, you know, a seven out of 10 performance, it's not going to be enough to keep the gloves. Now, Wardy has done nothing wrong for my money. Um, every time he's played this season, I've seen performances that more than justify him staying in the side. And, it's a lazy conclusion to make as a huge Jojo Woolacott fan. Um, the guy's had an awful lot on his plate the last few months and he's got some big distractions. I'm sure he's got everyone and sundry in his ear talking about what the future of his career looks like um, and what the, what a busy summer he might have. Um, obviously, he's got a World Cup to look forward to. I'm sure he wants to play in a World Cup. He's not going to want to get injured at this stage of the season. Um, yes, he'll want to be professional, but this is a human being at the end of the day. And if somebody is in your ear talking about life-changing sums of money, huge career moves, it's only natural that that could be a massive distraction. This is all allegedly stuff, clearly. Um, 
But I can't imagine there's not a footballer on this planet that isn't casting an eye at him as an opportunity to, you know, to to make a make a quick buck. And I'm sure there's many a football club needing a decent keeper next season that will be casting an eye in his direction as well. Um, interesting situation though with Manny Iden, wasn't it? So apparently he was late for a team meeting tie, and that cost him a place on the bench. That's a little bit daft, isn't it, for a lad that wants to stake a claim as a backup keeper? Um, you'd expect so with. What you've just come back from alone at Melksham because Jojo's picked up an injury. You've got a chance to to be on the bench in in the running for for League Two, and you just rock up late to a team meeting. It's not hard to be on time, so especially when it sounds like it was just the pre-game one in the hotel. So I don't know what's going on there, and that's just it's not like it's something. Out of his control, like like your car breaking down or or a crash happening, so you're stuck in traffic, something like that. It's it's quite simple as you've just not walked down the stairs from your room in time. So to, to me, it, it was the right call by Ghana, and I think it it was it was very good of him to show that if you are late, you won't get picked, and I think that's that's a good sort of standard to be setting. Mm. All right. Then. Well, let, we, so we've got a pretty good idea what your lineup's going to be. Sad to see, um, obviously, Joe Tomlinson on social media today, uh, pretty much waving goodbye at the county ground. And interestingly, he appeared to draw a line under the notion of returning as well, didn't he? Sort of, but never say never. Yeah, all right. Football's a funny old game. Yeah, I'll take that. I think it's undeniable. Joe Tomlinson has had a cracking time at Swindon Town. And I think fundamentally, if Peterborough for once want to um, be sensible when it comes to the transfer fees they're asking for their players, I'm sure we'll be in with a shout. Um, but Darren McAntony drives a hard bargain is all I would say. So um, let's just keep our fingers crossed on that front. What are we going to go with then, mate? Give us a prediction. Um... Heart says 4-0, head says a 2-0 win with McCurdy and Hall. And you know what? Manny Egbo's going to finally get one. Oh, I love the sound of that. Right, OK, I've already put my, pinned my colours to the mast today and I'm going to stick by it. And the reason behind it is this. We are going to come flying out the traps tomorrow, um, which will have the naysayers scoffing into their late night cups of um, cups of char. I am saying we are going to be 2-0 up um, within 20 minutes and then we're going to get a third relatively near the end of the second half when they're pushing forward, trying to pull, pull a goal back. And we're going to um, have a nice tasty 3-0, which sets us up for what hopefully will be an absolute belter at the county ground on Saturday against Barrow, which of course, Tyler, you and I will be um, having a very, very early start for because you and I will be broadcasting live from the barbecue, won't we? Of course, son. Of course. Yeah, and I'm hoping we're going to get a good portion of our audience come over and um, say hello. We're going to be asking everyone about their memories of the season, their highs and their lows. Um, and we might have the odd giveaway um, to sort out for our um, contributor of the day, um, all of which we'll talk about well in advance. But as I say, let's get Forest Green out of the way first. And, and show-wise, 
Um, we've got um, another show um, for you on Wednesday when we've got Steve and Jonah from the kit room are going to be lifting the lid on what's been going on with the squad this season, 2021-22. Um, we're going to be having a little bit of banter where they're going to be lifting the lid on the squad, mates, and giving us um, <laughs> the the inside track on the delightful characters that make up the current Swindon Town first team and fringe players. So that'll be nine o'clock as per usual on Wednesday. Um, we couldn't turn down the opportunity to get Fabrizio on tonight. So I really, really appreciate everyone tuning in tonight. Hopefully you've enjoyed it as much as Tyler and I have hosting uh, Fabrizio all the way from Genoa. Um, right, Ty, unless you've got anything else to add, mate, I'm going to wrap it up for the night and um, and um, go and get a couple of lockets down my throat because I do plan on being chief tub thumper in T2 tomorrow. Sound good? Since when were you coming to the game? Uh, <laughs> well, look, you know, some 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 things have um, some things have got wrapped and tie, haven't they? Oh, she must have brought wrapped. a bunch of flowers and cooked dinner today. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were under house arrest by the message. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's probably more to that than. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a bollocking yeah. when you get home at one in the morning, then. No, well, no. I think you've 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 kind of nailed it already, Ty. To be fair, I'm saying it's squirming in my armchair. Um, yes, it, it did involve flowers and 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 lots of emotional blackmail, but nonetheless, I'm going to be there. Um, and I said this before the Man City game. If ever there was a time we need to turn up the racket in the county ground, it's tomorrow. It almost kind of feels like it's that great Eminem lyric, isn't it? You've only got one shot. Now, yeah, appreciate we've actually got three. But nonetheless, I think so much is riding on tomorrow's game. I think if we get a result against Forest Green, it's properly on, mate, isn't it? Like, properly on. Um, and then Saturday will be like a cup final, I think, in the county ground. I thought you'd be open for a full house when you're pretty much Barrow's support side. You'd hope so. I'm just a bit disappointed out of everyone who wanted to quote it was Eminem. Oh, listen, mate. I'm not going to go down that route with you. We've already talked about. We've talked about this over a point. He's a lyrical genius. Don't get me started. Right then. So tomorrow it is Ty. I'll be seeing you bright and early at the county ground. I'll be setting off from London super, super early. In fact, so I'll be getting into Swindon probably about half four, five o'clock. So if anyone's around, come and say hello um, in the legends. First person to find me gets a point. And um, yeah, what if I find you first? Does that work for me? (laughs) No, that doesn't include you. Stop cheating, and it don't include Debs either. Uh, And it definitely doesn't include you, Claire. You've won enough. But (laughs) but I'll um, I really really look forward to seeing everyone tomorrow. Fingers crossed. Um, Ty, thanks as always, mate. No worries. Come on, you Reds.